We're in the book of Acts, and we are now in Acts chapter 16. We've just finished the most important council that the church has ever gathered in, and that was the council in Jerusalem to declare that salvation is by faith through grace, not by the law or circumcision. That was huge. That opened the door to the Gentiles to come into salvation and to come into the church, right? And so they, they only required four things. They, they asked four things from uh, the Gentile believers that were coming into the church so that Jews and Gentiles could congregate together in the same room and not be offended by each other. Because you've got to remember that the Israel, ha, those who accepted Jesus as Messiah, now they're, they're coming together into a group of people who are accepting what they understood to be pagans and dogs and those far off from God. Now they're going to be sitting next to them in the same room. And so the, the council at Jerusalem said, you do not need to be circumcised nor obey the law, but the law of Christ, of course, uh, the holiness within Jesus Christ. But, but then he went, they said, what we're asking you to do is abstain from four things. These were not laws. These were things so that Jew and Gentile could come together as one new man and worship God in the same room together. One of them was to abstain from blood, abstain from things sacrificed to idols, abstain from things that were strangled, and no sexual immorality. Because these were the things that made them unclean to the Jews. And so they would abstain from those things and uh, then they could gather together. Now, Paul is going to go with Silas and take those letters to all the churches that they had visited throughout the world before. To let everyone know, come on, come to the feast, come to the banqueting table. Jesus has opened the door for all to be saved. So that's where we find ourselves in chapter 16. And uh, it says this. Uh, before we got there, how many of you remember what happened with uh, Paul and Barnabas, the super team? They got split up, didn't they? Yeah, they had a bit of a fight. That's never happened in a church before, has it? Church leadership split. I mean, you got Paul and Barnabas just they were called by the holy spirit separate unto me paul and barnabas for the work that i have called them to and now they've gone through struggles uh paul and barnabas had the struggle remember where the confrontation with peter about balking when the judaizers came in they stepped away from gentiles paul gets in their face even barnabas kind of failed at that they get restored they come to the council uh, it's a great thing, and now it's like, okay, let's hit the road. Let's take this letter, and Martin, Barnabas says, yeah, let's, let's take my nephew Mark. Paul says, forget about it. That guy deserted us. I don't want anything to do with him. And it says their contention was so sharp, they split up. Now, how many of you know that God can even work with church splits? God can restore, God can heal. We went through this story. We later on find out Mark becomes profitable to Paul in his old age. Mark, in fact, writes the gospel of Peter. And uh, Peter's gospel, that's what we have in, in the gospel of Mark. And so 
Mark gets restored because Uncle Barnabas takes him on a trip to Cyprus and builds him back up again. But Paul's all about business, man. I can't do that. Barnabas, you do this. We've got to go. So he takes Silas with him. Now, that's where we're at. Paul came also to Derbe and Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places, for all they knew that his father was a Greek. As they went on their way through the cities, they delivered to them uh, by observance the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and the elders who were in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith, and they increased in numbers daily. Paul and Silas are going to go take the letters, and they find a young man named Timothy. Timotheus, honor to God, is his name. His mother was Jewish. His father was a Greek. And they're going to, Paul is going to use Timothy as they did Mark. He was going to be their scribe. He was going to be their catechizer and, and work with the new converts that came in. And so they're heading out and they're ready to go. There's a very important feature in Christianity and it is discipleship and mentoring. In the letter that Paul wrote to Timothy later on, he says, Timothy, my beloved son. And so Timothy was sa got saved through the ministry of Paul, and Paul discipled him. How many of you have ever witnessed to somebody? Cool. How many of you are discipling somebody? Okay. Good. That's awesome. But the, the number of hands didn't go up as many in the second part. And... Uh, one of our biggest problems is we've fallen into the trap of believing that we want to get people saved and then we just tell them to go to a church. How many of you know you can get lost in a church? You can't get, sometimes you don't get plugged in, you feel alone, nobody's talking to you, this and that, right? And discipleship is sharing your faith with someone, living life together. Uh, maybe if you meet them once a week, once a month, something, but we need to pour into other people. And, and we're going to be really focusing on that because that's the age we're entering into. We need to disciple people, all right? So that's the model with Paul. Paul had a Barnabas, Paul had a Silas, but he had a Timothy to raise up. Many of you are discipling people. How many of you have people at work that come up to you and ask you, you know, how to use Word or how to do PowerPoint or how to fix the thing over here? I mean, we disciple people all the time, don't we? We're training people all the time. We need to be training them in Christ. And many of you don't realize that you're discipling your, everybody at work because of the way you live, your witness. But if it's more intentional and deliberate, we can accomplish more, right? No undercover Christianity. All right, but I got a problem here, and Wednesday nights is about having discussions and talking, so I have a problem Paul and Silas are bringing a letter to the Gentiles saying, you don't have to be circumcised to be saved. It's awesome. Timothy, go get circumcised. What, what, what's up? What is the deal with that? Now, he later on uh, brings another disciple in, Titus. 
he's going to uh, disciple Titus, and he doesn't. He purposely makes sure Titus does not get circumcised. Yeah, in Judaism, if your mother's Jewish, you're considered Jewish. His father's Greek, and it did say in the text that everybody knew his father was Greek. So, Paul did this for the sake of ministry, for the sake of witnessing, because he's going to Jews and Greeks, and he does this so that this is not going to be an issue wherever they go. Should we do that? Shouldn't we just tell everybody, it's my life, just buzz off, take it or leave it, this is who I am? Why was he accommodating? Why was he doing this? Oh, that's good. Say it again. To win some. some. You're referencing a scripture. says Tammy's quoting scripture where Paul says, I've become all things to all people. To the Jew, I'm a Jew. To the Greek, I'm a Greek. So that I may win some. Right? And so the goal is, I don't want this to be a hindrance. Yes. So that point up front here was, didn't Paul recognize that the circumcision or uncircumcision was of the flesh, where now it is of the heart? It's a circumcision of the heart. But Paul so desperately wants to bring this gospel to everyone that he's willing to accommodate. If I got to drive somewhere to meet someone who wants to get saved, I'm going to drive somewhere to meet someone who wants to be saved. I'm saying word of mouth. <laughs> They're going to say that, I'm sure. I, you know what? You know what, Jim? I think that's a great point. And I would say it's because of the naysayers who follow people around to criticize. And, and he'd be able to say before God and those people, I'm circumcised. This is a dead issue. Let's go on. Right? I mean, sometimes you do things to accommodate so that you can minister the gospel. And it's not a compromise. I'm not talking about compromising our faith. I'm talking about compromising our preferences. There's a big difference, isn't there? What's the difference between compromising our, tref- our preferences versus compromising our faith? What do you think? And so we're supposed to be dead to the flesh, aren't we? And to do everything we can, as Tammy had quoted from Paul, to become all things to all people, do everything we can to reach some. It might be uncomfortable, but we want to reach them, right? And so that's what he did with Timothy. Let's move on. We're going to start the second missionary journey. So it says this, they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. So here they are on their trip. And uh, they, they came up from Jerusalem, all right? So uh, they went back to Antioch, shared the letters and everything with the church at Antioch, their home church. Everybody's going, that's awesome, that's great, yeah. So then say, okay, Silas and I are taking off, we're going to go up north, and uh, we're going to preach this to all the churches up there. They head over to Lystra and Derby. they pick up a guy named Tim. They pick up Timothy, he gets on the bus, and then they're ready to go, and it is their desire to leave from Antioch, and Paul wanted to go through Asia to Ephesus, but something held him up. What held him up? Holy Spirit. He said this, 
You're forbidden. So what do you think that meant? (laughs) What do you do when the Holy Spirit says you're forbidden to do that? Don't do it. Okay. Don't do it. So in practicality, how did the Holy Spirit tell them not to go that way? What are the different means and ways that... Yeah, but how did they get this message? A dream? Could have been a dream. It doesn't say there was one here. So could have been a vision. What else? How else could it have happened? Impressed upon their heart. So these are ways we hear the Holy Spirit. There's two ways tonight we've learned. A vision or impressed on our heart. Is that it? The idea came forth that there was trouble, trouble in Asia. They heard about it. And then they decided, well, then we shouldn't go. That doesn't seem as direct as what the reference means. They heard from the Holy Spirit, don't go there. Right now, it was possible that they had a vision or there was an inner discernment. Is this the only way God talks to us? Could have heard an audible voice? Could what? Uses other people. Like how? Prophecy. Word of knowledge. These are all New Testament gifts, right? Are those things functioning today? They are? Can that happen in the church? Can somebody have a vision? Can someone hear discernment? Can someone prophesy concerning something? Can there be a word of knowledge? Prayer is a two-way conversation, right? If you're talking to someone... Shouldn't you expect to be hearing something back? All right, very good. So the Holy Spirit tells him, don't go through Asia. And it could have happened in any of these ways. Okay? Now, and when they had come up to Mysia, they attempted to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So no, you can't go through Asia to Ephesus, so they go north. Now they want to go over to Bithia. Who doesn't? And the Holy Spirit says, no. Now here's another name for the Holy Spirit. It says the Spirit of Jesus. All right, so now the Holy Spirit says, no. Two no's, right? All right, so passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas. All right, now, how many of you are thinking like me? Why didn't you just tell us in Lystra to go to Troas? One step at a time? Yeah. We don't know the dynamic. You know, Luke is writing this, and he's giving us the Reader's Digest. He's giving us, they went here, they said no, so they went there, and he said no. We don't know the dynamic of what's happening with Timothy and Silas and Paul. Luke is joining them, and now here's these guys walking over. Well, let's go here, and let's start ministry, and they're praying, and the Holy Spirit says, no, don't do that. All right, well, where do you want to go now? Let's go over here. All right, we go over here. Okay, let's start our ministry. The Holy Spirit says no. So, yeah, I mean, it's team building. (laughs) 
It's relationship building. We don't know. Of course, most of you know exactly where God wants you to go next, right? Does anybody feel like these guys? Has anybody had a no from the Holy Spirit? I I wouldn't mind a, a very deliberate no every now and then. Instead of, I don't know, maybe, sure, could he? Uh. Right? So there's the permissible will of God, but then when he says no, it's no. All right, so, so let's keep going. So they pass, and in verse 9, And a vision appeared to Paul in the night, and a man from Macedonia was standing there, urging him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So they're kind of wandering willoughbys going around, not kind of planting. Spirit says no, spirit says no. It's still direction. It's not so direct, but we don't know the dynamic of what's going on, so they're kind of wandering, going around, going around, going around. They finally get to Troas. They have a vision. doesn't mean he was sleeping. He had a vision at night. He saw this vision of this man. Now, we don't know who this man was. The man from Macedonia. He says, come and help us. We need you. We need your message. So... Let's, let's run the gamut of who, who it could have been. Who do you think? I don't know. So Paul had a vision. You know, the Holy Spirit opened his eyes to see this man wherever he was in his house, on, a, on his rooftop somewhere, just crying out. But yet it's a deliberate message to Paul. So this guy wasn't just praying to Jesus, God, we need help. This guy was talking to Paul, wasn't he? Because he said, hey, we need you to come here. Or could he have been just saying, oh God, we need Paul to come here. It kind of feels like it indicates this guy's talking to Paul. So it could have been a person that God opened up and gave him a vision of Paul. What about that? Kind of this portal. Speaking on behalf of the Macedonians. Yeah. I was reading today, and one commentary said it quite possibly could have been the angel over Macedonia. Ah, that's what I said. (laughs) I like that, yeah. So on behalf of all the Macedonians that are praying, because we've talked before about regions that the angelic realm is over and the demonic realm, right? The book of Daniel Right, The angel came to answer Daniel's prayer, but he, had, he got caught up in a fight between the prince of Persia, the principality, the demonic over Persia, and, and he called on Michael to come and beat the guy so he could get to da- da- Daniel. Then he said, I got to leave and, and beat up the guy, the principality from Greece next. So this could be an angel over Macedonia that is speaking to Paul to direct him to the Macedonians who are crying out, we need you. So think about this for a minute. Think of the spiritual dynamics that are going on. 
you've got Paul and Silas bringing a letter from the church that's celebrating the fact that Gentiles can be saved. They're trying to bring it to whatever town that they're they feel led to, the Holy Spirit is directing them while over here in Macedonia, the the people are praying and asking God for help and seeking help. And in the angelic realm, spirit realm, the Lord's telling this this, uh, angel and spirit to speak to Paul, I'll get him over to you closer. And all this dynamic is going on and Paul's just going, I'll go wherever, just tell me. Could that be happening over your life? Could there be angels and demons and God and the Holy Spirit and you and your will and all this working together dynamically? Could it be that the people around you are in the same matrix of activity? Sometimes we want God to make it so simple. Tell me to go here. Tell me what to say. Tell me how to do it. And God said, nah. Nah. Let's draw this thing out. (laughs) But God is working in all these realms to make things happen and bring them together. That that is awesome. Let's go into one more aspect of this story, okay? So setting sail from Troas, they went into Macedonia. Now Macedonia is what we call Greece, okay? So they're going into Greek. They're going into Europe. Paul did not expect to go to Europe. Here we now have the gospel going into Europe, which is amazing because if you look at the history of the world, what, was so, what held the gospel from being obliterated was Europe. Europe received Christianity and sent out many, many missionaries and preserved the word of the Lord while... Africa, North Africa, and the Middle East was overrun in the 600s by Islam. And so Paul, we didn't even know this, but Paul had no idea, but he's bringing the gospel into Europe, and that's going to be essential for the gospel. And so, let's see where they go. So they voyage to Samothrace, and following day they go to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi. Does that sound familiar, Philippi? Right, the Philippians. Uh, which is a leading city in the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. We remained in this city. Now here Luke is imparting his appearance. We, Luke, uh, and the others, uh, remained in the city for some days. And on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside where we supposed there was a place of prayer. And we sat down and spoke on, uh, to the women who had come to gather. So they were looking for a Jewish community on the Sabbath day. There were no synagogues in that city. So they're going out by the waters to see sometimes there was uh, a gathering of Jewish people uh, to gather together. In order to have a synagogue, you had to have a minion of ten. Ten men. There were no men. But the women still gathered. And so they're gathering at the riverside. We suppose there was a place of prayer. We sat down, spoke to the women. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira. She sold purple goods. Thyatira, uh, you know of this from the book of Revelation, there was a church that started in Thyatira. Gee, I wonder if Lydia was maybe one of the main people that brought it back. So Thyatira was famous for uh, their purple dye. 
Uh, she was a seller of purple goods and a worshiper of Yahweh, God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized, so what does that mean? Saved. She was saved, right? She got baptized. And her household as well. She urged us saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. So what happens in the history of this is that Lydia becomes a benefactor to Paul, right? They need cash. They need money. They need food. They need a place to stay. Lydia provides that for them. So uh, that's pretty neat. And of course, a church emerges in Thyatira. So let's recap this. Paul brings Silas to bring this message from Jerusalem to the churches. They get to their first stop in Lystra and Derby. They meet Timothy. Paul imparts into Timothy discipleship, and Timothy joins them. Then they're ready to go to Asia. The Holy Spirit says no, so then they go north, and then they're going to go over to Bithia, and the Holy Spirit says no, so they go over down towards Troas, and the Holy Spirit says wait, and then they have a vision, right? And they go over to Macedonia, to Europe, and um, they meet Lydia, who supplies their needs at that time. You know, and really when you read this portion of Scripture, this is a pass-by Scripture. It's not, you know, very exciting. So they went here, and the Spirit said no, and they went there, and then they're in Macedonia. He had a vision. That's cool. And then we go on. But I, this is the stuff life is made out of. The Christian life, if we would. If we would listen, this is the stuff that directs our day. Sometimes you come home and it's like, you know what? I didn't have a vision of God today. I had no encounter. I had nothing. It was a dud of a day. But God probably got you from here over to here. Maybe because you said no to something that enticed you today and you said no, it set into motion a whole other direction that God was hoping you'd go in. There's a dynamic we miss. So what I wanted to get out of this lesson tonight is, number one, we have to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. There is an expectation in Scripture that the people of God should be able to hear God. Okay? Now, there's a lot of denominations and a lot of groups that say, whoa, 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 you don't hear from God. If you hear from God, you can go wacky and get crazy. Who's going to judge whether you really heard from God or not? What is the judge by which we can determine if someone's on or off, right or wrong? Word of God, right? If it, we can't let it contradict the Word of God. So if someone in here says, you know what, the Lord has just given me a vision, it is awesome, Jesus returned two weeks ago, he's in Honolulu. <laughs> and we could say, well, let's check with scripture on that. Hmm, says he'll come in the clouds and, you know, stand on the Mount of Olives and, yeah, I don't think he's in Honolulu. That's a, another great point. Okay, so we have the witness of the Word of God. Does it line up with the Word of God? And then secondly, do we have a second witness by the witness of two or three? Is it confirmed? Okay, and this is how you should determine what you're hearing. So let's look at the expectation of Scripture. Call to me and I will answer you. 
I will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. I want to hear some hidden things from God that we don't know. I need revelation. How many of you need revelation knowledge, right? Paul couldn't come up with this on his own. He needed these directives. And, and as uh, Diane said, he picked up Timothy on the way, who was, was Jewish and Greek. He, he was a perfect image of what the new church is going to be. And he's walking into the Greek region of Macedonia. I mean, come on, what a setup. John 10, 27, my sheep, what? Hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Okay? So Christians should look like they're following Jesus, not their own agendas, but they should look like, talk like, act like, and smell like Jesus, their shepherd. You know, how many of you know this, that, that, that shepherds have a unique call for their flock? Whether it's a different whistle, whether it's a, a signal, whether it's just their own voice. Shepherds at night tending their sheep would come together in the wilderness, all different kinds of shepherds with all their flocks, and they would build a barrier out of briar thorns and all that and bring all the sheep together. And then, you know, the shepherds are sharing stories, playing harmonica around the fire and roasting marshmallows and talking, going to bed. They get up the next day, and now they're all going to go back, and all it took was the shepherd to go, you know, have his signal, and all the sheep would separate and go to their own shepherd. And that's exactly what Jesus is saying. He has an expectation that we hear his voice. Last one, John 16, 13. The Spirit shows what is true and will come and guide you into the full truth. The Spirit doesn't speak on his own. He will tell you only what he has heard from me, the Spirit of Christ, and he will let you know what's going to happen. Who did Jesus say that to? The disciples who represent the followers of Jesus. This is an expectation for all of us. You might say, but I never hear God's voice. I don't understand this, this and that. It is something for us to learn the voice of the Lord, to begin to discern it within you. Start reading the word of God and then listening. Do I get a sense of something urging me in the word, speaking to me in the word? When you're at a, listening to a song and, and you're moved by something, that's the Lord. Start learning to discern the voice of the Lord. And as you do this more and more, you'll get better at it and it will become more distinct to you. Has anybody had that journey where it's getting more and more distinct? Yeah, okay. Now, here are some of the keys to being led by the Spirit that we're going to glean from this passage. And this means it can happen for you and I. This could be our life. Number one, if you listen to the leading of the Holy Spirit, it can bring you into divine placement. What does that mean based on tonight's story? What's that? Put you where you need to be. Put you where you need to be. Divine placement. How many of you want divine placement? Right? 
See, but the the great thing about this story is because many of you are like, I just need to know where he wants me, what he wants me to do. And I could hear Paul saying that on his second time around Bithia. (laughs) If it happened to Paul, it can happen to us. You know, sometimes we have to wander a little bit. It's okay. We're still in his control. Number two, divine timing. What's that mean according to our story tonight? Right time, right place. Yeah. Met with Timothy, got the right place to get the vision to Macedonia, got in that place. Okay. Divine connections. That was Timothy. And then Luke. Lydia. There was Lydia. Lydia was the provider. So the right timing to meet her. And it works both ways, doesn't it? Just not, not just for Paul, but how is it that Lydia just happened to be by the, the seashore? Isn't there a song about Lydia by a seashore? But I won't go there. Um, the, Lydia by the water, right? I mean, she was led to the right place at the right time as well. We all are, if we'll listen. Uh, divine connection. Okay, number four, new territories. Did they go into new territories? Paul, it wasn't on Paul's radar to go into Macedonia. But God put him there. How, how many of you, have any of you ended up someplace you didn't plan on ending up? That's me usually driving somewhere. <laughs> yeah, some of them call it lost. I call it opportunity. <laughs> My wife will attest to this. She's cracking up back here. <laughs> She has to ride with me. All right, new territories. All right, five, new dimensions of impact. Europe. Paul had no idea. He couldn't see down the corridor of time that in order for the gospel to reach the whole world, it had to go into Europe and it had to be protected It was the dark ages. Even the church had lost and there were barbarians and everything else. It were the the monks and those who held it up into the isolated places through the difficult times of barbarians that it secured the gospel and then it was released again. And it went from Europe to America and then America was one of the key uh, missionary senders of the gospel to the world. Paul had no idea that being tossed around to these different cities to finally go into Europe would cause this. New dimensions of impact. Some of you have no idea the impact because of the decisions or the people you've talked to that it reverberates in many different areas. Last of all, foundations for the future. Yeah, okay, so the prayer tent story. So, uh, many years ago, um, Pastor Charlie was one of the original deacons, then elders here. Uh, we went over to South Africa in 1996, and God just poured on him, and he and his wife Kathy felt called to Africa. Took a little while, but that calling came through for Kathy. And uh, they moved to Africa, and in Africa, they would witness and evangelize, and, and they would have a, a, just a little tent that they would pray for people with. Well, Charlie's heart was, w- was bad, and he needed to come back home. He came back home, and he brought back the idea of a prayer tent. So one year, he said, I want to have a prayer tent in the parking lot. We said, okay, let's do it for a week. 
we'll try it out. So he set up the prayer tent in the parking lot, and people started stopping in like crazy. So then we said, just keep going, two weeks. Then it was a month. Then we said, okay, go for two months. Then they went for five months. And then he said, we got to do this every year. So this has been the fourth year that you've been doing it. And between Memorial Day and Labor Day, we have teams of people out under the gazebo at our prayer tent. And people pull in from the streets at all times between 11 and 6, constantly looking for prayer. There's miracles, there's healings, number of salvations, over a couple hundred salvations, 300 and some salvations, over 1,500 prayer, people seeking prayer over these four years because Pastor Charlie took a trip, learned something, brought it back, tried it out here. It's impacted. Now a number of churches are doing prayer tents and expanding it. And what's that? Yeah, and so at Katrina's, they're taking the prayer tent there too. So again, hey, what? <laughs> So it's impacting Pakistan. So we have, a, we have a team that just got back from Pakistan, and Pakistan has a prayer tent that over 350 people had because we had one here and introduced it to them because Charlie had one in South Africa and went over. You see what I mean? New territories. Yes, in the back. happened a half hour ago that's too cool that was your uber driver come on come on all right look it that's what being led by the spirit can do in our lives and it's a ripple effect it's exciting we can live like this day to day so we have to listen, we have to be faithful, we have to put ourselves out there, and maybe you're going to wander around for a little while to get directed on where it's going to go, and you'll meet people that you're not sure of, but God will provide, God's going to give you divine placement, divine timing, divine counsel, new territories, new dimensions of impact, and new foundations for your future. That's exciting. Last one, yes. Would everybody please stand? I want to pray this over your life. I think this is a desire for all of us to have all of these imparted. To walk in this. And we do. You don't have to be, uh, you know, super Christian. You just have to be who you are listening to Jesus and he'll direct you. Right? Just be willing. Here I am.